1: This podcast contains violence, adult themes, and material that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised.
0: True North True Crime is produced on the traditional territories of the Coast Salish people.
1: The FBI is investigating after authorities say a 39-year-old woman died on board a Princess cruise ship in Alaska following a domestic dispute. ABC's Lindsay Janice is here, has those details for us. Good morning, Lindsay. Good morning, Robin. After the incident, the ship docked, but thousands of passengers were forced to stay on board for 11 hours, some confined to their rooms as the FBI processed the scene. This morning, the FBI investigating a suspicious death on board Alaskan cruise liner, the Emerald Princess. Princess Cruise Lines reporting a 39-year-old woman from Utah, who ABC News has identified as Christy Manzanares, died following some kind of domestic dispute. Her husband, Ken, charged with her murder.
0: We could tell by the sound of his voice that it was something really scary and really serious. A cruise ship vacation can offer a once-in-a-lifetime experience to its passengers. Onboard guests are treated like VIPs. Every morning they are gifted with a new port to explore or scenery to enjoy. Cruises are about experiences, overindulgence, and relaxation. But for passengers on board the Emerald Princess in July of 2017 That serenity came to an end three days into their seven-day cruise. A 39-year-old woman was found murdered in her cabin. Her husband was detained immediately as the primary suspect. In this episode, we chronicle a horrific case of domestic violence. Tonight, we present the murder of Christy Manzanares, and you are listening to True North True Crime.
1: Everyone and welcome to episode 38 of True North True Crime. Thank you for joining us. We had some lovely people donate coffee for this week's episode, so we want to thank them for donating that much-needed coffee. A big thanks to Jessa, Jesse, Donna, Christina, and a huge thank you to our friend Bernadette at Murderific Podcast. Please check out that podcast. If you would like to donate some coffee for an upcoming episode, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash tntcpod. We also have merchandise for sale. If you would like to pick yourself or a loved one up some True North True Crime merchandise as a holiday gift, you can do so at our Tee Public store. There are t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, and much more available with the TNTC logo on them. We will link that in our show notes. And if you haven't already, please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps with our visibility.
0: Also, we have had a lot of amazing supportive and helpful emails and messages come into the podcast. Sometimes people want to suggest a case or just say hi. We do our best to get back to everyone, but we are having a little trouble keeping up. So, we just want you to know that we have read your emails. We're sorry we have not gotten back to you yet, but we certainly appreciate you all. There just doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day to respond to everyone. So, anyway, thanks for reaching out. Okay, let's get into tonight's episode.
1: Tonight, we are talking about the murder of 39-year-old Christy Lee Manzanares. Christy was murdered in 2017 aboard the Emerald Princess cruise ship while sailing in the waters off of Alaska. While this is not a Canadian case per se, some of the events leading up to this crime did take place in Canadian waters.
0: I had an interest in this case because I used to perform on board Princess cruise ships. In fact, in the fall of 2016, months before this tragedy happened i was doing the same alaska route on board the star princess i've also done contracts on the regal princess and the golden princess so i'm quite familiar with passenger behaviors and cruise ship protocols which is i think what initially drew me to this case while this case made international headlines at first We feel that not many people know what happened at trial and the aftermath of this incredibly tragic case.
1: We put this episode together using publicly available news articles and court documents. The case we are presenting tonight involves domestic violence towards women. There are children involved in this case as well and while the children were not physically harmed it is clear that there is psychological trauma. There are some graphic parts to this episode, and we will do our best to cover those details with a level of care. So please use your discretion if you choose to listen to this episode.
0: Christy Lee Manzanares was born Christy Lee Hunt in Salt Lake City, Utah on October 30th, 1977. She would spend her childhood in Sunnyside, Utah with her parents and her two brothers as a child she was determined and strong characteristics that she carried throughout her adult life as well christie attended east carbon high school to say that she excelled is an understatement she was a winner of the utah state family career and community leaders of america competition she was also a sterling scholar in her class
1: christie graduated high school with honors in 1996 and was voted miss viking by her graduating class Viking is in reference to the school logo. It was in high school that Christie would begin dating her would-be husband, Kenneth Manzanares. They were just 17 when they met and had their first child. After graduating high school in 1996, Christie attended two different post-secondary institutions. She received an associate's degree from the College of Eastern Utah, She then went on to Southern Utah University, where she earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in Family and Consumer Science with an emphasis in interior design. Christy was incredibly successful in her career. For many years, she was a design consultant. She then went on to become a realtor at Sotheby's with a focus on high-end estates in St. George, Utah and the surrounding area. She was a prominent member of the St. George area real estate community where she was serving as the chairwoman on committees for the Washington County Board of Realtors. She also participated on the Women's Council of Realtors and the Utah Association of Realtors Convention Committee.
0: In her personal life, she married Kenneth Manzanera her high school sweetheart in 1999, just three years after high school. Kenneth was a high school athlete, In adult life, he had a few different career paths. He managed a Walgreens and was also at one point a bail bondsman. Personality-wise, Christy is known for her infectious and beautiful smile and her sweet and compassionate soul. She loved her daughters, her big family, her friends, travel, and a good glass of wine. In 2017, Christy and Kenneth were both 39 years old. They lived in the community of St. George, Utah. Their daughters were between the ages of 13 and 22 years old. Their names and ages are public information, but we do not believe that they need to be released in our episode.
1: From what has been reported, Christy and Kenneth wanted to celebrate their 18th wedding anniversary by booking the family on an Alaskan cruise. This was no small event. The Manzanares family planned to join their extended family members for a -a once-in-a-lifetime cruise. One group photo posted from the ship shows more than 20 family members that were on this cruise. This would include Christy, Kenneth, their three daughters, Christy's two brothers, and her parents. The family booked a seven-night Alaskan cruise that would leave from Seattle, Washington, aboard the Emerald Princess.
0: The Emerald Princess is a Crown-class ship in the Princess fleet. The Emerald has been in service since April of 2007. The sister ships of the Emerald are the Ruby Princess and the Crown Princess. The Emerald Princess is registered in Bermuda. This is very important to note. Cruise ships often register their ships in the Bahamas or Bermuda. One of the reasons they do this is to avoid culpability for basic law violations. Whether it's a violation of labor laws or the rights of passengers, it is easier for cruise ships to win court battles in the courts in the Bahamas or Bermuda. These two island nations are reliant on the cruise ship industry, so their courts will side with the cruise ship industry anytime they can. This is why you'll often see ship staff members and crew members working 16 hours a day for months on end which is against any basic labor laws. If a passenger is ever looking to charge a cruise ship company for a crime or seek damages in a civil court, it will almost always be directed into these court systems. Cruise ship companies will cite marine law and jurisdiction. This factoid will actually come into play later in this episode.
1: At full capacity, the Emerald can carry 3,114 passengers and 1,200 crew members. The Emerald boasts beautiful cabins of all sizes and price ranges. Some have balconies and some do not. There are 15 decks on the ship that are accessible to the crew and the passengers.
0: There are specialty dining options, buffet options, a casino, theaters with lavish musical shows, also many murder mystery and game show type entertainment options in the smaller venues. There are pools, hot tubs, outdoor bars, and fitness spaces. And of course, there's the Skywalker's nightclub, which towers over the back of the ship with a panoramic view of the ocean. Although I can state emphatically that on Alaska cruises, Skywalkers empties out around 9 p.m. as everyone goes to bed early.
1: For their vacation, the Manzanera's family booked two adjoining cabins. These cabins were considered mini-suites. Each cabin could sleep four people and were between 300 and 400 square feet. Both cabins had balconies, and they had a door that connected both units. These rooms were at the rear of the dolphin deck on the port side or the left side of the ship.
0: Their room numbers were D-726 and D-728. For the cruise they had booked, these cabins would start at a pretty reasonable $2,200 for the week, plus additional guest costs, excursions, drink packages, flights, and gratuities. The Manzanares family chose the seven-night Inside Passage cruise, which included the stunning Tracy Arm Fjord. This was a round trip departing from Seattle. According to the Princess website, the ship was scheduled to leave Seattle on July 23, 2017 and would include the ports of Ketchikan, Juneau, Skagway, and Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. The sea days on the trip would be spent cruising the Inside Passage at Tracy Arm. This is an incredibly relaxing, low-stress cruise with some of the world's most amazing views.
1: Christy, Kenneth, and their three daughters flew to Seattle, Washington from Utah to board the Emerald Princess. On July 23, 2017, they boarded the ship during the daytime hours. This is usually a bit of an ordeal with passengers being scheduled specific times that they are allowed to board based on their room designations. Embarkation day is the definition of organized chaos, often resulting in lost luggage or forgotten personal items. Keep in mind that the cruise ship spends its entire day basically flipping its population of 3,100 guests in the course of 8 hours. This includes room cleaning, refueling, onboarding new staff, 3,100 passengers, and bringing on supplies. Boarding the ship on embarkation day is always exciting though, especially if you are new to cruising or new to a specific ship. The Manzanares family would have settled into their rooms, connected with other family members and made dining reservations and then explored the ship.
0: Getting your bearings on day one is always awkward and fun. You will often run into other lost people on the ship, getting off elevators on the wrong floor, or at entirely the wrong end of the ship. The Emerald Princess was scheduled to leave Seattle at 4pm. With the last of the passengers settled in and the ship's lines about to be cast off from the pier, the entertainment crew would be getting ready for the sail-away party on the sun deck. At 4 p.m. sharp, the ship's horn plays the Love Boat theme song, much to the joy of the 60 and over crowd. Up on the sun deck, the sail-away party goes into full swing. As the ship sails away from Seattle, the band takes the stage, followed by dancers possibly dressed as lumberjacks, an homage to the Alaskan adventure to come. Passengers sip, sparkling wine, and children run around in a sea of adults. Adding to the joy of the moment, a cruise director with a perfectly tailored outfit takes stage and bursts into their interpretation of Kelly Clarkson's hit song, A Moment Like This.
1: Moments later, the sail away party wraps up as quickly as it started. Folks then head to their rooms or to their early dinner reservations. On the night of July 23rd, the sun set around 8.55pm. The sky was clear and the air was warm, making it a perfect night to catch a sunset or look at the stars. The Emerald Princess entered Canadian waters as it cruised along the southwestern tip of Vancouver Island. Through the course of the evening, the ship slowly hugged the west coast of Vancouver Island, heading north. Eventually, The ship would cruise past the northern tip of vancouver island and enter the scenic inside passage the passengers awoke on july 24th and were treated to a day cruising the inside passage the stunning beauty of haida Gwaii, british columbia's central coast and the alaskan panhandle surrounded the ship on all sides
0: on july 25th the emerald princess docked at its first official port of call on this cruise the small town of ketchikan alaska on port days some passengers choose to just stay on the ship. Others will tour the town, and others will take part in excursions. As this is an Alaska trip, the excursions are often nature, wildlife, or adventure-based. Kenneth and Christie went on a fishing excursion that day. It is unclear if their daughters joined them. Keep in mind this was a large family trip, so they may not have joined their parents on the fishing trip. Witnesses on the fishing excursion described Kenneth and Christy as lovey-dovey, while they were on the fishing boat. They were affectionate, friendly, and appeared to be having a good time. After the fishing excursion, Kenneth and Christy Manzanares returned to the ship. The Emerald Princess cast off its lines and began heading towards nearby Juneau, Alaska. Alaska ports are very close to one another, so ships often spend their evenings doing zigzags along the outside waters of the Alaskan coastline while they wait for their morning docking assignments.
1: Kenneth Manzaneras began to drink excessively on the ship that early evening. At a family dinner that night, Kenneth became increasingly inebriated, obnoxious, and belligerent. He made several off-color comments towards Christy and attempted to aggressively kiss her in front of the family multiple times. Christy became increasingly embarrassed and asked Kenneth to stop acting this way, but he continued. Christy's brother, who was also at the dinner table, told Kenneth to cut it out. At this point, Christy left the dinner table and asked Kenneth to do the same. Christy was visibly embarrassed, shaken, and frustrated by Kenneth's drunken behavior at dinner. Kenneth, in his drunken state, was oblivious and self-righteous. Christy, Kenneth, and their daughters headed back to cabin D-726, At approximately 8.50 p.m., Kenneth, Christy, and two of their daughters were inside cabin D-726.
0: Kenneth and Christy began arguing about his behavior that evening. Christy stated, I knew you would find a way to ruin this vacation. Kenneth made threats about her family members, including stating that he wanted to snap someone's neck. Christy told Kenneth that he needed to get off the ship in Juneau and go home to Utah alone. She stated that she was, quote, done with this. Kenneth demanded that she explain to him what being done with this meant. Things continued to escalate. Kenneth told his daughters to leave the room. His two girls left the room and went to join their other relatives in the adjoining room, D-728. At this point, the situation was about to take a horrific turn.
1: We are now going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we are back. So before the break, we outlined the events leading up to what would be a horrific case of domestic violence. We are now going to walk through the details of what happened next according to the court documents and witness accounts. Again, some of these details are graphic, so please use your personal discretion. At around 9pm, Christy and Kenneth had gotten into an argument in cabin D-726. The couple were fighting about Kenneth's drunken behavior. Christy had asked Kenneth to leave the ship at the next port and had expressed that she was done with his behavior. At this point in the argument, Kenneth told his daughters to leave the room.
0: When their daughters left the room, Kenneth struck Christy with his closed fist. Christy fell to the bed. Kenneth, who was an athlete and a wrestler in his younger years, was much larger than Christy. He then straddled over her, pinning her down with his body weight, and continued punching her face and head repeatedly. In the next room, Christie's daughters were with Christie's parents, their grandparents. They heard a loud bang, and then they heard Christie scream in pain and fear. They attempted to open the adjoining door that connected the rooms, but they could not.
1: One of the daughters screamed through the door, I can hear you. I can hear what you are doing in there. Kenneth told them not to come in the room. Christie's daughters went out onto the balcony of D 728 and made their way over to the adjoining balcony of D-726. Once on the balcony, they looked through the glass patio doors where they saw their father Kenneth Manzaneras straddling their mother and punching her over and over again. The daughters banged on the glass and begged their father to stop. Kenneth looked at his own daughters and continued to punch their mother repeatedly in the face.
0: The girls left the balcony to get help and summoned Christie's brother, Christie's brother attempted to use the cabin key to get inside of cabin D-726, however, he could not get it to work. Kenneth, believing it was his oldest daughter at the door, yelled for her not to come into the cabin. Christie's brother continued to try to enter the room, while one of the daughters went back to the dining room to get the rest of the family. Christie's brother then exited his own balcony and crossed over to the balcony of cabin D 726. Christie's brother found Kenneth on the balcony, covered in blood. Kenneth was dragging Christie out onto the balcony. It seemed he was attempting to throw her and possibly himself off of the balcony and into the Gulf of Alaska. Kenneth looked at Christie's brother and stated, she wouldn't stop laughing at me.
1: Christie's brother began screaming for help. He then got into a physical fight with Kenneth. Once Christie's brother gained the upper hand, he began pulling Christie by the ankles to get her back into the room. But Kenneth was pulling her by the shoulders, intent on throwing her over the balcony.
0: Eventually, Kenneth just stopped fighting and stood out on the balcony. Christie's father arrived and began to render first aid to Christy, who was lying on the blood-soaked carpet. Her face was unrecognizable. It was immediately apparent to Christy's father that she was not going to survive her injuries. Christy had lost a significant amount of blood. She was not breathing, and she did not have a pulse.
1: Christy's youngest daughter arrived to the cabin. She sat on the floor and held her mother until the ship's medics arrived. At around 9 p.m., the Emerald Princess was sailing seven miles off the coast of Forrester Island. Many people were enjoying a murder mystery show in one of the ship's performance spaces. Suddenly, over the ship's public announcement system, there were two calls for medical personnel and security to go to the dolphin deck for an emergency. Most passengers thought that this was part of the show as well. Even some crew members were confused. Other people in nearby cabins who had heard Christie's screams also thought it was part of the show.
0: As passengers came out of their rooms, they saw Christie's youngest daughter standing in the hallway wrapped in a blanket, sobbing, and being held by a relative. The witnesses saw Christie's brother come out of the room. He was covered in blood from the waist down. He stated, It doesn't look good. At that point, Christie's daughter just started sobbing. I want my mommy. I want my mommy. One of their other daughters was also being held as she cried, wrapped in a blanket in a stairwell.
1: Emerald Princess security and medical personnel responded to the incident in the couple's room at approximately 9.03pm. At approximately 9.20pm, Christy was pronounced dead at the scene. Christy had suffered multiple skull fractures and died from blunt force trauma to her head and face. Her husband had literally punched her to death. Kenneth Manzanares was then detained by the ship's security team and placed in a holding room. The ship's captain made an announcement to the passenger, stating, "'There's no need to worry. Everybody is safe. Just continue on and enjoy your cruise.'"
0: Due to the ship's position in what is considered to be the high seas, it falls into the maritime jurisdiction of the government of the United States, and therefore this crime would be investigated by the FBI field office out of Juneau, Alaska. On July 25, 2017, at approximately 10.13 p.m., FBI Special Agent Matthew Judy received a call from the head of security at Holland America Group the company that owns Princess Cruises. Agent Judy was told that there had been an apparent homicide on board of the Emerald Princess and that the suspect was handcuffed and detained on board the ship. The captain made the decision to dock in Juneau immediately to rendezvous with the FBI agents.
1: The next morning, July 26th, passengers were informed that a woman from Utah had been murdered on board. And that the ship was no longer sailing to Tracy Arm Fjord, but would instead dock in Juneau, Alaska. While docked in Juneau, 15 FBI agents boarded the ship and conducted 200 interviews of passengers and crew members. On that same day, July 26, 2017, Kenneth was taken into custody as the sole suspect in the murder of Christy Manzanares, his wife of 18 years. And the mother of his three daughters. While in custody, Kenneth stated to the FBI agents without prompt or context, My life is over.
0: While in custody with the FBI, Kenneth Manzanares waived his right to an attorney and his right to remain silent. He spoke very candidly about the events of that evening. He stated that after the fishing trip, the couple stopped at a bar and that he consumed two beers. They then got back to the ship, and he said he had three pints of Heineken and two dirty martinis. Christy and Kenneth then went back to their cabin, where he drank some white wine. At this point, Christy asked him to slow down on the drinking, but he did not.
1: He drank more at dinner, and they fought over his obnoxious behavior. Back at the room, Kenneth claims he doesn't really remember what happened. He states that Christie said she was done with his behavior and wanted him to leave the ship the next day. The following excerpt is a direct quote from Kenneth's interview with the FBI.
0: Somewhere in there I said, why, why, so are you divorcing me? She wouldn't answer that. She just kept kind of saying, I'm done, I'm done with this, and you need to get off the boat tomorrow. I knew you'd figure out some way to ruin this trip. And I went over and she was kind of like on the headboard, you know, like this. I came from there and I grabbed her by the, her wrists or like maybe by the shoulders. And the next thing I I honestly remember is me telling, telling the kids, you know, don't come in here. I mean it. Don't come in here. And then the next thing I remember and it's, you know, is... Not even, you know, remembering hitting her just one time, I, I know I had her on the floor, her head was covered in blood, and I remember seeing, it's almost like I'm looking down at myself as this is happening, it, you know, it's like I remember, like, I saw my fist hit her, and her lip was bloody, and her lip was swollen, and her face was bloody. And that's when the chaos broke out because everyone else was able to get into the room. And from there, I I, I couldn't tell you who hit my eye. I couldn't tell you what happened to my rib. I couldn't... Um, I, I just don't know how to explain it. I was... That was not me. I, I don't know who or how. I don't know how to explain it. I was like a beast or a monster. And the worst part is... I can't remember. I don't remember why we started fighting. What led to this shit? I have no idea what started it.
1: The FBI agents would ask Kenneth if his relationship had any issues before the cruise. Kenneth would state, Um, normal stuff, but nothing like this would happen. You know, we have our arguments, we have our fights, we have our disagreements. But if you talk to our friends, I bet 90% of them would say that they feel we have a strong relationship. Because we have been together since we were 17, we had our first daughter at 17. Yeah, like most couples, we have our problems. But like I said, most of our friends would say that we were solid. And we were, I suppose. And I know that sounds stupid. Kenneth went on to say that as a couple, they rarely fought. In his words, he said, One of the best things about our relationship is that we never fight. We both say that, like maybe one or two good ones a year where we hurt feelings and bring things up from the past. But then it's like poof, done and over with. We got shit off of our chest and it's done and over with and we get right back to normal. We always told people that, that we have one good fight, so we don't have to fight.
0: But when the FBI asked Kenneth about previous aggressive behavior, a different picture begins to emerge of a man who has issues controlling his anger. Here is a verbal exchange between Kenneth and an FBI agent. The agent asked Kenneth if he ever got angry before. Kenneth states, So yeah, I punched a wall or something. One, two, three, um, the wall in our old house. There's also an armoire and a cabinet in the bathroom that I punched. But like... It's always been, like, a big joke since I was even a kid. I get upset. I snap a little. Even when I first got married, I well, we, I, I get mad about whatever, and I, like, I need a quick release, I guess, or whatever. So I snap a remote, uh, a remote control, and it was like, you know, everybody relax. You know, and say if I hadn't have done that, you know, snapped remotes and flipped over two tables, two, like, end tables, uh, one had glass, one uh, about five f- five bigger things, and i 'd say maybe four to half a dozen remotes that I broke, which is not like you know we 've been together for almost you know twenty five years, so we uh you know we we bump buttons you know better than everyone you know better than anyone else, and it goes both ways. Uh, I know how to push hers, she knows how to push mine, Um, you know, I've never, never did this before.
1: On Thursday, July 27th, 2017, Kenneth Manzanares had his first court appearance via video conference. He was wearing ankle restraints and an orange prison suit. The judge chose not to allow bail at that time and ruled to keep Kenneth in jail as he awaited trial
0: initially the u.s attorney for the district of alaska said during a press conference that kenneth manzanares was charged generally under 18 u.s code 1111a which has both a first degree and second degree murder component then in 2019 attorneys for kenneth manzanares announced that they wanted to avoid a trial entirely it was their hope that a plea agreement could be had In February of 2020, Kenneth Manzanares pleaded guilty for the second-degree murder of his wife, Christy Manzanares. He entered into a plea agreement with the U.S. state's attorney, thus avoiding the painful experience of a trial. According to the plea agreement, the sentencing would still be argued in court, meaning Kenneth did not take the plea to get a guaranteed reduced sentence. He took the plea because he knew he was guilty. So the only thing left to argue in court was how long Kenneth Manzanares would remain in prison.
1: Prosecutors sought a life sentence for Kenneth Manzanares, who they argued had a history of anger issues. In court documents, they wrote that the defendant had used his fist as a hammer on the face of his wife during the fatal beating. His defense team put forth an interesting defense and asked for a more lenient sentence many of you may have heard about studies of former boxers or football players who have had concussions. Researchers at Boston University and the Sports Legacy Institute have documented cases of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, a brain disease that steadily destroys cognitive functions and leads to mood problems. Studies like this one have shown a link between professional contact sports and domestic violence. In the sentencing hearing, The defense attorneys attempted to paint a picture of a remorseful man who was not in control of himself the night aboard the Emerald Princess.
0: The defense team, who were asking for a seven-year sentence, claimed that Kenneth had no prior criminal history, had an IQ of 80, as well as brain injuries from playing contact sports. Court documents prove that Kenneth played football, wrestled, and boxed throughout his childhood and in high school. They claim that brain damage combined with an undiagnosed bipolar disorder and a problematic combination of prescribed medication and alcohol resulted in a one-time episode of violence. In the months before the murder, Kenneth was taking a combination of Adderall, testosterone, amphetamine-like weight loss drugs, opioid pain meds, and a drug used for erectile dysfunction.
1: Testosterone use is a well-known cause of the manic switch, his defense attorneys wrote manic switch describes a process by which mania is induced in a susceptible person by ingestion of substances the medical records show that mr manzanares obtained his prescription of testosterone from the pharmacy just days before leaving for alaska and he injected double the prescribed dosage resulting in a manic switch the defense sought a sentence of seven years they cited the medical records the witnesses who insisted there was no previous domestic violence in the couple's marriage and the wishes of their children. At a sentencing hearing in 2021, family and friends were given an opportunity to weigh in.
0: Kenneth Menzanera's sister wrote to the court that the couple's relationship was one that she had always admired. Quote, They were always so affectionate towards one another, and once their girls were born, you could see the love and the tight bond they all had. This all makes everything so much harder to understand why this happened and why my sister-in-law is not with us anymore. I miss her every day. She wrote that her brother needed to be punished to give the family's beloved Christie justice, but she implored the judge to make a fair decision.
1: The couple's middle daughter also wrote to the judge about her father. She recalled the efforts her father put forth to not only take care of his family, but to ensure that they experienced joy. My dad was always going out of his way to make sure me, my sisters, and my mom were happy. I remember times when my mom would see something at the store that she liked but wouldn't get it. My dad would go to the store the next day to buy the things that my mom had said she wanted. He always wanted to see his girls happy.
0: Christie's brothers and her father struck a different tone in their victim impact statements. Christie's father told the judge he would consider it justice if Kenneth went to prison for the rest of his life. Her father briefly composed himself before stating, "I hope he gets what he deserves." Both of Christie's brothers asked the court to impose the maximum possible sentence. One of the brothers described Kenneth's actions as horrific, and walked out of the courtroom before Kenneth spoke, and Kenneth Menzanares did, in fact speak at the hearing. Through tears, he said he loved his daughters and his wife, describing Christie as his soulmate. He said that he hoped over time that he could be forgiven and said he was sorry. The U.S. District Judge
1: Timothy Burgess found that experts involved in the defense case had failed to adequately prove the factors that led to the crime. The judge sentenced Kenneth Manzanares to 30 years in prison with five years of supervision should he ever be set free. Brian Wilson, acting U.S. attorney for the District of Alaska, said that the murder was not a random act of violence, but a chilling neglect for human life, for which Kenneth will remain behind bars into his 70s.
0: Throughout the trial, Kenneth Manzanares was incarcerated at the Lemon Creek Correctional Facility, a state-run facility in Juneau, Alaska. Kenneth was scheduled to be moved to another prison facility to live out the rest of his sentence in a federal prison prison. But just over a month into his 30-year sentence, prison officials made an official announcement. On Wednesday, July 15, 2021, at 6.59 a.m., 43-year-old Kenneth Menzanares was found unresponsive in his cell. Correctional officers and medical staff responded and immediately began performing life-saving measures until emergency responders arrived on scene at 7.14 a.m. EMS pronounced Kenneth Manzanares dead at 7.42 a.m. Authorities did not say how Kenneth Manzanares died, but said foul play is not suspected and that his death was not COVID-19 related.
1: There was another court case that played out during this entire tragic ordeal. A photographer working on the Emerald Princess filed a complaint in California court against Princess Cruises for damages, alleging claims of intentional infliction of emotional distress and negligent infliction of emotional distress. Jean-Luc Van Wick was hired as an onboard photographer His job was to take fun and happy photographs of passengers for their personal memories of their cruise adventures. But on the evening of July 25th, 2017, Jean-Luc was forced from his cabin by the security team to bring his camera to cabin D-726.
0: Security officials forced him to document the bloody crime scene by taking over a hundred photos. This was not in his training to take such specialized and traumatic photos his lawsuit alleges that since the incident jean-luc is suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and has recurrent nightmares and suffers mental anguish jean-luc filed his complaint in california court as he knew that he would not get a fair trial if he filed his complaint in the bermuda courts where princess registers its ships princess cruises Countered this action and filed a motion to dismiss the complaint and compel arbitration in Bermuda. It would appear that Princess Cruises won their counter filing. A California judge ruled that the case needed to be arbitrated in Bermuda as per the contract that Jean Luc signed to be an employee of Princess Cruises. We are unsure how this case ended, but it is difficult to fight the cruise lines.
1: In the aftermath of the murder of Christy Manzanares, a GoFundMe was established to help her daughters. That campaign has now come to an end and cannot be donated to at this time. A celebration of life and funeral service was held for Christy Manzanares on August 3rd, 2017 in St. George, Utah. Christy's obituary reads, Her daughters were the light of her life. Her infectious beautiful smile and sweet compassionate soul will forever be remembered by all who knew christy she made everyone who came in contact with her feel important and special and put a smile on their faces because of that she was adored by all and we are all blessed to have had christy in our lives
0: This brings us to the end of this episode. The murder of Christie Manzanares at the hands of her husband, was a horrific and tragic event. There are many things that can be said about the dark underbelly of the cruise ship industry. However, this was a case of intimate partner violence directed at a woman. Kenneth Manzanares had multiple opportunities to take out his rage on Christie's brothers or her father if he needed to fight someone, but he didn't he isolated Christie from her family and murdered her.
1: If you or someone you love is experiencing intimate partner violence in Canada, we encourage you to go to sheltersafe.ca to find resources. In British Columbia, you can access a multitude of services by calling 211, or if it's an emergency or a crime has been committed, please call 911. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Of True North True Crime.
0: Our producers on the podcast are Jessa, Sarah B.W., Lisa Marie, Amy's Book Reviews, Thomas E., Susan S., Alex and Andrea P., Kennedy, Alberta, Cindy McDee, Blair M., Alyssa S., CJ Gize, Anastasia, Ariel E., Melanie E., Kelly D., Carolyn, Emily, Jason D., Jimmy H., Tiffany C., Keith R., Mari M., Lorena, Queen Nebula, Maureen, Jesse D.R., Louise Rickshaw, and the Missing and Unexplained podcast.
1: We will be back soon with a new episode. So until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe.